All right. We'll pray for him this morning and get some relief. Yep. Anybody else? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. And it sure, it sure is good to see you in church this morning. Glad you're able to be back with us. Sure good to have Miss Nell here this morning. Glad she's able to be back in church. Anybody else this morning? Yes. Donna. My mom, she goes to the doctor on what? She goes tomorrow to have the pre-op done. Right. And then the 24th to have a heart cast. Okay. All right. Yeah, we want to lift we want to lift Cindy up in prayer and ask God to take care of that and all go well. Anybody else this morning? Prayer requests. Pray for, pray for Joanna. Yep, yep. Yeah, pray for her. She's having a lot of pain, dealing with a lot of things. Um, who else? Dan, how are you feeling today? Amen. We're glad to hear that. Miss Anya, you doing all right? Your headaches? I mean, good. That's good. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Well, hallelujah. It's good to be here this morning. We're going to meet with the Lord today. Let's worship the Lord, and, and let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's meet with him this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Till my trophies at last I lost. 
Oh. 
something got a hold on me. Something got down in my throat. <clears> throat> So I ask you 
two ways about it. If I don't have the Lord's touch on my life, I'm ineffective. And and I don't want to be ineffective. That's one of the most horrible thoughts for a Christian is to think that I'm not doing anything for God. That my life is just kind of stagnant and neutral, doing nothing. I'm not and maybe I'm not I'm not hindering anybody from coming to the Lord, but I'm sure not helping anybody come to the Lord. And that's not the way God intended for a Christian's life to be. Amen. Amen. That's right. Take your Bible this morning. Turn to First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, and we're going to be picking right on right on where we left off. Pick up right there. Uh, last week we finished chapter two. Uh, I bet some of you, I bet most of you, don't have no idea what I preached on last last week. Do you? <laughs> you know what? I don't know what I preached on last week half times. So don't feel bad if you don't. But last week I preached on. Grow up. Grow up in Christ, right? We talked. He was talking about to be perfect, those that are perfect, those who are matured and grown up. And, and that's what he was letting them know. Look, y'all need to grow up. This church has got to grow up. I, I want you to grow up. And so he's continuing that thought this morning. And so I'm going to preach a message to you this morning called, You Are Yet Carnal. You Are Yet Carnal. So let's 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 get our Bible and let's look. We're going to read verses one through eight, and then we'll go back through it. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one through eight, and let's read. The Bible says, "And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it; neither now yet now are you able, for ye are yet carnal." For there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. Lord, I love you this morning. I'm so thankful to be your child. I'm thankful, Father, that you, Lord, that I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful, Father, that my sins have been forgiven. I'm thankful that I have the Holy Spirit living in my spirit this morning. And, Lord, I have the Word of God to preach. And, Lord, I know that 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 pleases you. I know that that honors Christ, and that's what I want to do today. And, Lord, we've all gathered here to hear from you. Lord, I'd, I'd be... I'd be in a terrible shape if I didn't have your power. So, Lord, I come to you as humbly as I know how, and I ask you, please, fill me with your spirit. Please, Lord, cleanse me of anything that would hinder the message. Fill me with your spirit. Pour out on me, Lord, the Holy Ghost and power, and use me this morning to speak to the hearts 
the minds of your people. Lord, I can't speak their hearts, but you do it through me. Lord God, please, I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would bring about decisions in lives. Lord, might spur somebody to action. Lord, might draw somebody to conviction. Lord, might set somebody in the right direction to have a life that honors Christ. Father, you know what needs to be done, and I pray, Father, you do it. Lord, give me, wind me up, let me go, Lord. I pray, Father, you preach through me this morning what you'd have me to say, and I'll give you all the glory and the praise and the credit for it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul said, I, brethren, do not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I want us to look at the last part well, actually, no, I don't want you to look at the last part. I want you to look at verses 12 through 14 in chapter 2. Verses 12 through 14 in chapter 2. Paul said there, coming down to where we're at this morning, he said, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God. Why do we receive the spirit of God? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. It's like, God lays his truth out for us, and we couldn't understand it on our own, in our flesh, with our carnal mind. We have to have the Spirit of God living in our spirit and revealing things to us, giving us spiritual discernment as to what God's trying to say to us. So we have the Spirit of God that we might receive, might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He said, which things we also speak. Now, you can't speak anything that you don't know, so when you received it and you understand it, then you speak it back to somebody else. And he said, we speak it not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, teaching, saying, look, God says this here, and he also says it over here again. He's t- we're using and comparing text to show what God is saying. But the natural man, bring a lost man in here and try to teach him something spiritual, he can't learn it. The Bible says he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You might as well sit and try to teach him Swahili for an hour and a half. He's not going to grasp it. Amen? And it'd be easier for him to grasp Swahili than it would be for him to grasp spiritual things without the Spirit of God. The Bible says neither can he know them. It's not even possible because they are spiritually discerned. So he's telling them, look, y'all need to grow up. And again, we're coming we're coming to chapter 3, and he's told them that, and now he's going to address these divisions within the church. They are not being spiritual. This Again, outside of the church of Laodicea, which is where he tells them that they're blind and and, and naked, and, and, and you know, they're, they're a mess uh, in, in Laodicea. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, this church is almost as bad. And he's writing to them to let them, under, to get them to understand, look, y'all are acting like lost people. You're, you're acting just like the people outside your church. And, uh, again, uh, Corinth, it's a, it's a place where, where many cultures have come together, kind of like New York City. New York City is a place where many, many, many cultures. they got all the boroughs all over New York where you've got regions where just a certain 
you know, you've got a place where people from Argentina, Argentina live, and they have Argentinian restaurants, and down the streets you have you have Hasidic Jews, and they have everything Jewish, and they have their own newspapers and their own language and everything. And you go right down the street, and you're running to people from El Salvador, and they got their own culture and everything. So again, you got all that taking place in Corinth, and 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 these people have brought their idols to Corinth, and so again. That's all there was in the world outside of Christianity and, and Judaism is idolatry. That's it. Period. There's nothing else. And and so it is today. Same thing. World is not much different. And so you got people they brought all their idols. You know, the only difference back then is that Christianity hadn't spread very far. So the whole world is eat up in idolatry. The whole world is taken over by paganism. So they've got many idols there in the city of Corinth, and they've got many temples for these people to worship these idols. And I need to remind you again, there's the temple of Aphrodite, or Aphrodite, however you say it, in, in Corinth, where men would worship by visiting prostitutes. So again, wicked carnality, fleshliness, uh, very permissive culture, very uh, very sexually driven culture, if you would. People... And Corinth are in the process of coming out of that culture, okay? So that's all they've ever known was flesh, 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 and and, and carnality. That's all they've ever known. You know, you got a problem, you solve it with violence, you know. You want something, you take it. You know, you do what you want to do. Again, we saw what happened when we studied the book of Judges, where what happens when there's no king and people do what's right in their own eyes. That's essentially what they do here. They just do what, except with no knowledge of God whatsoever. So, again, they're they're coming out of that culture, and and, and many of them, if not most of them, are still drawn to that culture. So, again, Paul's trying to talk to them in a spiritual manner, but it's like trying to teach things to a bunch of babies. They sit and whine and cry, and and, and nothing really gets accomplished. You know, a, a baby is somebody who has recently been born. And Paul says here, I couldn't talk to you as under spiritual, but as under carnal, even as under babies. He said, talking to you, it's like sitting in a nursery trying to teach Bible to a bunch of whining, crying, screaming babies. And I mean, and that, you say, well, that sure sounds, sure sounds harsh if Paul say that. I think Paul was frustrated with them. And I think he had a right to be frustrated with them because they weren't listening. Uh, you know, again, a baby, somebody who just got born not too long ago, so these people had either not been saved very long or they had not grown much at all since they had been saved. And there's a lot of people like that in America. There's a lot of people like that in Texas. There's a lot of people like that in Red River County. There's a lot of people like that around you every day you live who who may have been born into the family of God, but they ain't grown hardly at all. They're still very carnal. I don't know if I'm talking to you this morning. I may be talking to some of y'all this morning. I don't follow you home. But I can tell you this. There are babies in Christ, just like there are grown-ups in Christ. So he says, unto babes in Christ. That's how he wrote. I want to show you something this morning. The Bible, you know, y'all know the number seven all through the Bible. Some Seven is what? It's the God's number of completion or perfection, right? Okay. I won't give you seven stages of growth that the Bible gives you, okay? You can write these down. You can study them later, whatever you want to do. But I'm just going to give these to you. I thought I'd get, I've got a couple of these things this morning just going to kind of give you. But, again, seven stages in the Bible 
of growth. There's the one here in our verse. You got a pen, you'll write this down. Number one would be babes, which is 1 Corinthians 3 1. Okay? And then over in 1 John 2 1, in 1 John 2 1, John, he describes little children. So at first you're a baby, and then you grow a little bit, and you become a little child. He says, My, my little children, these things write out unto you that ye sin not. For if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. They were little children. They're still struggling hard with sin, so he's trying to teach them how to overcome some things in their life. So that, number one, babes, number two, little children. Then the Bible teaches us about children. Uh, and, and, and number three there, Galatians 3.26, it says, For ye are all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus. So when you're you're a little child, then you get a little bit older, and you're just a child, you're children. But then you get up beyond being a little child, get up into adolescence, and you become what the Bible calls young men or young ladies, but young men is what's in the Bible. 1 John 2.13, it says, John said, I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. Then after you grow up from being a young man, you get a little older, you get married, you have children, you become a father. All right? The Bible talks about fathers in 1 John 2.13, the first part of that verse. He says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. And then verse, and then number 6, he refers to elders. 1 Timothy 5.1, it says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. So that's when they get on up up, on up in age, probably around my age, 50s and 60s, the elders. And then you get to the last group, which is the aged. Uh, in Philemon 1.9, Paul talking about himself, he said, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being one, such a one as Paul the aged. That's what he referred to himself. I'm Paul the old man. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So, again... Uh, you say, what did it help me? I, well, at least you know there's seven stages of life in the Bible. It's just a little something I want to throw at you. Uh, again, because God does things in sevens a lot of times. So there's seven stages of life mentioned in the New Testament. And interestingly enough, speaking of the number seven, scientists will tell you this, that every seven years our bodies completely replicate themselves. You don't have the same material in your body that you had seven years ago. Your body just, it, your cells replicate. So that's oftentimes why you you, you you grew up, you didn't like to eat something, and then all of a sudden one day you decided, I like that. It's because your your body's changed. And uh, But anyway, God, God, has a, God has a powerful way of doing things, and he does things systematically. But he wants you to grow up because that's part of that system that he has. He wants things to be done right. Uh, but Paul said he had to speak unto them as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And why did he call them that? He called them that because they hadn't grown. They hadn't grown any as believers. You know, I was in that same shape. I was a baby for a long time, a baby Christian for a very long time. I was a baby probably for 20 years. Well, I was an old baby, wasn't I? I'm telling you, but I was. I was a baby Christian for about 20 years. I didn't grow. I didn't apply myself to grow it. I didn't ingest much spiritual food. I was spiritually stunted. 
That's what I tell people. I was spiritually studied. You know, when I was a kid, they used to tell me, you know, don't don't eat don't eat don't eat chocolate. It'll stunt your growth. Or don't eat don't drink Coca Cola. This Mama used to tell me stuff like that. I don't remember what I used to tell me. Stuff stunt your growth. You stunt your growth. Richard, you didn't eat none of that stuff, did you? Wasn't stunted a bit. But I was. I was horribly stunted. I'm five foot eight. I'm stunted as stunted as can be. That means you didn't get very tall. You didn't grow up very much. Well, there's a lot of people who are spiritually stunted. They look full grown to look at them, but they spiritually they're not very grown. That it, a little something happens, they fall apart, and they just their life just crumbles. Why? Because they're spiritually a baby still. That's why they fall apart and cry, and they can't handle things. Why? Because they, there's no depth to their spiritual life. Uh, so, what do these people do? They very much acted in their flesh, and according to their passions, rather than according to what the Word of God says to them. And I might be describing somebody this morning. I don't know. I, again, I don't follow you home. Maybe you still act like you did before you got saved sometimes. Maybe you act like that quite a bit. And if you did that, guess what? You may still be a babe in Christ. Verse 2, he said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither, neither yet now are you able. Well, he fed them with milk. Why? Because milk's what babies eat. Milk's what babies need. And and, and even though it milk's what babies need, understand that, that milk is also a picture and a type of the Word of God. Even though even though it's milk, first and it won't do for you what meat will now, but it, it's it's still okay, it's still good for you. First Peter two two. Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But Milk is what babies need, right? Uh, now, you looked at uh, those seven that we named. You get past that first one, babies, everybody beyond there eats meat. Unless you're a vegetarian, you're just weird. God said there's something wrong with that. Amen. God said that in the Word. I, that, that's, that's, that's over there. I, even, I can't remember what I said. But anyway, Paul talks about it. Uh, but meat is what everybody else eats beyond babies. Do you know the Bible is likened to seven different kinds of food? I told you there's seven other things I want to mention this morning. Did you know that? The Bible is likened to, to seven different kinds of food. I'll give them to you real quick. The first one is water. You say, water ain't food. Well, try to live without it and see if you can make it without your water food. But but water, Proverbs 25, 25 says, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Well, the gospel is the good news. So the Bible's work is likened to it. To water. There's other places too, but that's just the first verse I pulled out. Uh, he says in Ephesians 5:26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So there it's referred to as water. Uh, it's also the Bible's referred to uh, the word of God is referred to as milk. Again, we read that just a second ago. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Number three, the Bible is is referred to as bread. Hebrews 4, 4, he answered, he said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Christ is what? He's the bread of life that came down from heaven. Right? Amen. All right. So this verse, uh, the fourth one, the word of God referred to as apples. Proverbs 7, 2, keep, thy command, keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of thine eye. Then, then there's the next one. And I think I skipped one. Somewhere I missed number five. I don't remember what number five was. 
I'll have to bring in later. But uh, six, I, for some reason I skipped number five. Number six is meat. Uh, the Bible is referred to as meat. Oh, I know what number number five was. It was honey. The Bible referred to as honey. Uh, number number six is meat. First uh, Corinthians three two. He, uh, Paul said, "I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hither you were, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither now are you able." So again, he's he's referred to as meat, and 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 then he gets to the other one, the last one, number seven, which is strong meat. So there's meat, and then there's strong meat. So what's the difference? Well, when I come home last night, we had cow butchered, and so I got some steaks in the freezer, and I pulled out some filet mignon cuts. I got two packages of them. I pulled out. It's our anniversary trip in the week, and I just thought, well, I'll, I'll, cook, her a, I'll cook her a nice filet. Man, that was some good meat. Now, I didn't have to chew very hard. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a five wagon or nothing like that, but I mean, it was still good. It was tender, and uh, and anyway, but I also I also have some steaks in there. I got some cube steak in the refrigerator, and that cube steak some of it hadn't been tenderized. And I don't know if you've ever tried to just eat cube steak. I mean, it's kind of hard to chew. You know, there's certain cuts on a cow. You can eat it, but you got to work to eat it. I mean, it, it, it don't chew easy. It don't tear apart easy. It, you know, I've eaten some roasts that I thought I was going to die before I got them chewed up, you know. I'll tell you what, ain't nothing worse in this world than eating a dry roast on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but that strong meat, chew it. I mean, listen, like jerky, you know, you pick it out of your teeth and chew it again later, you know. Strong meat. And Paul's referring to that. He's talking about deep doctrine. He's talking about stuff that, 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 Little kids and young kids in Sunday school, they'd blow their mind. They can't get that. There's things in the Word of God that, listen, it make, you have to chew on it a while to figure out what God's trying to say. You have to really dig into it deep to get what he's saying. And the Bible talks about that in, in, in Hebrews 5, 14, uh, 13 and 14. He says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the Word of righteousness. So a baby, because he frees a babe. A baby is unskillful. A baby doesn't have any skills. He said, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. You're using the comparison of a little baby in a diaper to a grown older man who's grown up and knows some things. He said, strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use. So they've worked. They've been in the word of God. They've used it. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They've seen some things in this world, and so they don't. nothing's going to sneak up on them. Amen? Those who can, who can handle strong meat. But you see, these believers in Corinth, they didn't know nothing about that. They weren't, they weren't strong enough for meat. They still wanted to be coddled and whined a little bit. They want somebody to rock them, somebody to pat them on the head, tell them it's going to be all right. Still make messes in their lives quite regularly. You know babies will do that. If you turn your back for just a second, they'll turn... We clean that living room up. I mean, there's more boxes and stuff to put things in in my living room than I have ever seen. And you know that little girl can walk in there in about two minutes' time and make it look like we ain't even picked up nothing? She'll dump everything out just quick as a, quick as a whistle. Babies make messes. Little kids tear up things. They, the next day, you, you, you have something important on the table, and you rip around. Oh, I didn't go around half. They make messes. And And... They have to be cleaned up often. We got wet wipes everywhere around the house. Why? Because she has to be cleaned up often. Babies have to be cleaned up. And, and you know, they get mad when you tell them no. 
I mean, she, I'm telling you right now, it's powerful, and I tell her, no, don't do that. She goes, no! Slaps her hand on the table, and then I have to tell her, again, you're going to get popped. You need to stop that. You don't act like it. You don't scream at daddy. But little babies, they act like that. They throw fits when they get reprimanded for what they're doing. And they're constantly getting into things that they shouldn't get into. Right? That's what babies do. That's why they're babies. Right? So Paul, that's who he's dealing with. And Paul gives them a three-point outline. Look in verse 3. You're going to see it right there, verse 3. He says, for you are yet carnal. That's his subject. Now notice his points. For whereas there is among you, number one, envying, and number two, divisions. I'm sorry, number two, strife. And number three, divisions. Are you not carnal, walk as men? There's a three-point outline right there in the middle of his sermon. Okay? So he, he gives them first. He says, you're carnal. Number one, I can prove it because there's envy among you. Okay? Envy from, from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Envy, here's what it says. Pain, uneasiness, mortification. That means I could just die inside. Or discontent. Excited by the sight of another superiority or success. Accompanied with some degree of hatred or malignity. And often or usually with a desire or effort to depreciate the person and with pleasure in seeing him depressed. <laughs> I can't believe they're that good at that. Oh, I could just die. Oh, I hope they, I hope they fail. That's in you. God says through Paul, there's a lot of that in that church. People were looking at each other like that. I can't believe. I can't believe. Look at them trying to be all goody you. Look at them trying to serve God. Oh, I hope they fail. There was some of that in the church of Corinth. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that amongst God's people? Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody sitting here this morning looking at somebody else in the church and saying, I can't believe they come in here and act like they got it all together. Boy, I hope they fail. Can you imagine that? But that's what Paul was dealing with. Do you know that goes on in churches today? Do you know there are people like that who see other people in church that are that God's blessing them and God's and they're going through a season of God's favor in their life and somebody else in the church is maybe going through some hard times and they're looking at that person and saying, I can't stand that God's blessing them and I wish he'd turn his back on them and let them fall on their face like he'd let me fall and they know how I feel. There are people sitting in churches say things like that. Horrible, ain't it? But that's listen, that's what a baby, that's how a baby acts. Envy springs from pride, ambition, because somebody else has gotten something that you wanted. It comes from your desire to have something and you can't have it, somebody else got it. And it's in the Word of God. Here's where it comes from. You don't know where, it, where that feeling comes from? Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. That's where it comes from. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Well, why? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like 
the Most High. That's what Satan said. I'm going to be like God. I'm going to have God's job. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. That's where envy started out. And everybody that's acted like that since ain't done nothing but acting just like their father the devil. That's where it came from. And then the second point, he gives you strife. Galatians 5.20 says uh, it's referring to the works of the flesh. Listen to it. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. So look what it's all mixed in with. Strife is right in the mixture of idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, wrath, heresy, all that. There's strife right in the middle of it. Strife, again, no, no Webster's Dictionary. Strife, exertion or contention for superiority. Fighting to be number one. Contest of rivalry, even by either by intellectual or physical efforts. I'm either going to outsmart them or outwork them because I'm going to be number one. Strife may be carried on between students or between mechanics. In other words, those with clean hands or those with dirty hands. Doesn't make any difference. It takes place between preachers a lot too. Let me just let me just throw this out there. <clears throat> there, that, Facebook. Oh my goodness. Facebook is a place where many a preacher has made a fool out of himself. Because somebody said something he didn't like, absolutely showed his rear end of the world. I will tell you, I, I've been guilty of almost any time to myself when somebody just came at me wrong. you got to be very careful. got to be careful. Or, or the devil will get advantage of you, and you lose all of your Christian attitude and disposition, and you end up making a fool out of yourself. You know, the Bible warns us of that. you got to be careful. Once you start, it's almost impossible to stop. Proverbs seventeen fourteen. listen to what it says. The beginning of strife is when, as, as, is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave out off contention before it be meddled with. Now, that verse is kind of odd to me because it, I'll just use a dam this morning rather than the idea that I normally think of. But you're just going to drill a little hole in the dam. I'm just going to let out a little water. I'm just going to let a little water out. So you drill a small hole in the dam. Guess what that's going to do? The hole's going to get bigger, ain't it? Pretty soon you can't stop. And then all of a sudden, now you've got a dam full of water coming at you. All you meant was just to let out a little. I didn't mean to get that angry. I just I just wanted to tell them off. I blew my cool, and I absolutely let foul curse words come out of my mouth. And I said horrible things that I never would have said otherwise. Because my blood began to boil, and rage began to go through me. And where did that come from? Let a little out, and the whole flood came. I'll tell you, competition between Christians is dangerous. It's dangerous for their testimony, and it usually ends up in ungodliness because once you start, like I said, once you start, you can't stop. And again, I see preachers do it all the time. I see I see churches do it. I used to, again, I am independent Baptist, but I'm telling you, coming up in college and going through all that system, there are preachers. There were used to be more of them than there are today. But there used to be independent preachers, independent Baptist preachers in this country that had a cult-like following. 
people actually worshipped the man. I mean, they called, there were people who, who used to be called Isleites and Ruffmanites and all these people following these men, and they were known again by their name, by the people's name. They called them after their name. And again, if you're following a man, you're in dangerous territory. Listen, I don't follow no man. Amen. But the Bible tells us, James 3.16, for where envying and strife is. Those are the first two things you mentioned. There's confusion and every evil work. I mean, listen, that, that you can't consider a church a, a good place where everybody's envious and fighting with each other, trying to get ahead of each other. Again, you're, just, you're going to have a mess in there, and the Lord's Spirit's not going to be moving in that church. And when you start envying and, and being full of strife and things, that's, that's often the source of false doctrine. That's where Alexander Campbell started the whole Church of Christ thing. He got, he was, he was, from what I understand, he was upset because people wouldn't get baptized after he led them to Christ. So he made it a, he made it a, uh, a, requ- a requirement for salvation and added it to salvation. And again, it becomes false doctrine. Envying, strife, false doctrine all come from following men, not God. Confusion leads to division. And God is not about division. God's about unity. The Bible said how, how good it is when brothers, brethren walk together in unity. It's, it's good when we can agree. And what do we have to agree on? This Bible, we have a lot to agree on. We have, we have Christ to agree on, salvation by grace through faith. We have more to agree on than we have to disagree on. <laughs> the day that I visited Bible college, before I ever went to Bible college, drove down to Longview, Texas, and came in and met with some people and said, I want to get a tour of the college, and they took me on and showed me everything. You know what the first question they asked me was? What camp are you in? Now, you may say, what are you talking about? What camp am I in? Well, up to that time, the only camp I knew about was church camp. But what they meant was, is what preacher do you follow? Are you in Are you in the camp of Jack Hiles? Are you in the camp of, uh, I don't even know at the time, Keith Gomez, those other preachers out there? And, and it all comes down to the fact that some preachers emphasize repentance and some de-emphasize repentance. And so you had a group over here that may have leaned too heavy and made it made it all about works, and you had one over here that said, "Oh, it ain't repentance. I got to do it. It's all about it's all about believing." Well, they were trying to dissect something that God never intended to be dissected, and and they they monkeyed around and 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 can mess up the plan of salvation doing that, and lead people astray. Confusion leads to division again. Uh, and like the, the, these camps, it's cliques. It's people. That, if you don't follow, if you don't follow this preacher, then you ain't no good. You ain't worth talking to. I wouldn't fellowship with you if you don't follow this preacher. Again, it, it, it's ungodly, but it goes on all the all the time. And and there are, there are preachers that won't fellowship with another preacher because of some other pre because of some other preacher that they like or dislike. It ain't about Jesus. See, for these people, it's about men. So I follow Jesus. Amen. I don't, I, and again, all these camps, again, they're, they're, they're nothing more than old boys clubs. That's all they are. And, and, and again, what preacher do you follow? What preacher do you like? And, 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 and you, surely you don't like this guy because he, 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 he believes this, and, 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 and he preaches for this guy or that guy. You know, Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you. 
say Christ and him crucified. I don't care what you like and dislike. Paul said, I'm not here to find out all of your all of your preferences. I'm not here to know every little detail about your life. As a matter of fact, I'm not here to talk about your life. I'm here to talk about Jesus and what Jesus can do for you. And that's it. Amen. Listen, the people who try to detail delve, delve into the details of all their people's lives all day, let me tell you what they are. They turn out to be tyrants and dictators. I, I know preachers. Who, I mean, listen, and some of them I've named already, but people used to go to their office and, and make a meeting with them, sit down in their office and say things like, Pastor, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of car I should buy. Silly things, ridiculous things, things that God give you a brain in your head to make decisions, but they go to the pastor about every little detail. And if you, they've made a decision without them, the pastor reprimands you for it. I'm telling you, I, horrible control. That happens when men are in control rather than God. And it causes divisions. It causes strife. It causes envies. Well, you want to know what camp I'm in? I'm not in a camp. I'm outside the camp with Jesus. That's where I'm at. Amen. I'm outside the camp with the Lord. Amen. Galatians 5, 25 and 26, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I don't want to be in the flesh. I don't want to walk with men. I want to walk with the Lord. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. I don't want men patting me on the back. And you shouldn't either. Provoking one another, envying one another. Verse 4 in our text. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? So one of them people in the church court said, you know, I'm an Apollite. I follow Apollos. He's a better preacher than Paul. Other guy said, oh, yeah? Well, I'm a Paulician. What are you going to do about it? My daddy's bigger than your daddy. Oh, yeah? Well, my daddy whoop your daddy. Kind of the way they were acting, like a bunch of little kids on a schoolyard. I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, which means to listen to any other preacher is inferior, and I don't do that. Nonsense. You know? Anybody, any anybody can have the power of God to preach the power of God, pre, preach the word of God if God's called them. It, you ain't got to be some special preacher. Anybody who, who again, who God God's got His hand on can preach the word of God. One preacher is not better than the other. I can assure you of that. It's not about men. It's all about the Lord Jesus. My home, my walls are not decorated with pictures of preachers that I admire. Amen. Now, preachers are not like actors or, or rock stars that are to be admired and lifted up. We're servants. Amen. Servants. Listen, what, what are we to do? Jesus, Jesus got down on his knees with a wash pot and washed his disciples' feet and told us to do the same thing. Now, I don't know if none of y'all will pull your socks off in here, and I'm not suggesting we start washing feet, but it's a picture of service and humility. Amen. And that's the way ministers are to be. And, and you know what? Church, church members are to take that as an example and go and do that themselves. We're to be ministers to those around us. And Paul, so he asked this question in verse 5. He said, who then is Paul? Who am I? Who is Paulo, Apollos? We ain't nothing. We're just ministers by whom you believe. We're just the, we're just the, the vessel, just like this is a vessel carrying my coffee around. We're just the vessel that God put the Spirit of God into to carry us to you and pour you out the message of salvation. That's all I am. I'm just a vessel. That's what Paul's telling us. 
First Corinthians 11, 1, be you followers of me, Paul said, even as I am of Christ. Again, he said, be you followers of me, but as I also am of Christ. In other words, don't follow me doing what I do unless you see me doing the things that Jesus would do. And here's why I say that. You, you might think, well, if I'd have followed Paul, I'd have been, I'd have been fine. Well, but Paul disobeyed God when God told him not to go to Jerusalem. Paul went to Jerusalem anyway against the insisting of the Holy Spirit that he didn't. He was warned that if he went, he'd be arrested and put in chains, and that's exactly what happened to him, right? So Paul went directly against the will of God, and it cost him. And it goes to show you that while you can follow a godly example in somebody, you must not follow that person off into their sin because every one of us is subject to sin. Men are not perfect, and men never will be perfect until they are in the likeness of their Savior in glory. Paul said that they're, they're simply ministers. Ministers. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, And he gave some apostles and some prophets. Well, there's no more apostles running around, and I don't know of any prophets running around either myself personally. And some evangelists. And I assume missionaries would be worked into there with the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. So we've got evangelists, pastors, and teachers today. And what are they there for? What is my purpose? What is their purpose? Being of the saints. Again, what is perfecting? That's maturing, growing up. Paul's talking to babies. He's saying grow up. He said, I'm not here to be admired and, and ooed and awed over. I'm here to help you grow up. Amen? Grow up. For what? Why do I need to grow up, Paul? For the work of the ministry, because babies can't work. Grown people work. Grow up so you can work. Grow up in the Lord. Learn who he is and what he wants, so you're able to do what he says. For the work of the... What is the work of the ministry, Paul? The edifying of the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means the growing or the building of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? That's people that get saved. How do you grow up the body of Christ and people get saved? Well, you have to lead them to Jesus and bring them into the family. That's what mature Christians do. That's what grown folks in the Lord do. That's what God wants us to be. Edifying, building up in Christian knowledge. So edifying, not just bringing them into the family and getting them saved, but it's also teaching them and helping them to grow up. So again, we don't just grow up ourselves and say, oh, well, I'm grown. No, then it's my turn. Just like a parent does, when they grow up and become a parent, then it's their turn to to teach their children how to grow up. It's the same process, but it's spiritual. Paul says, verse 6, he said, I planted, follows watered, but God gave the increase. Again, I'm just a worker. I'm just a servant. I'm just a minister. That's what he's saying. He said, I I planted. Peter Peter calls the word of God the incorruptible seed in 1 Peter 1.23. All right, so again, I planted. So the word of God seed, all right? And then Jesus talks about how the water of the word washes, the washing of water by the word. In this case, it waters the seed. So so Paul planted the word of God. He preached to them the word of God. It was planted down into them. The first time they heard the word of God, and it was planted in their hearts, and then they heard Apollos preach the word of God, and it was like somebody watering the word of God, all right? And then, guess what? That seed still lay there dormant. Although Paul had planted it there, it didn't make it sprout. And although Apollos had watered it, that didn't make it sprout until God, the Holy Spirit, said the time is right for that seed to sprout 
when you plant seeds in your garden, if you got one, you can sit there and plant them and you can water them. You can water them until there's a big mud hole there, but that seed ain't coming out of that ground so God's ready for it to. You can't force it up. Crack it open on your own self and see what happens. It will not germinate. Verse 7, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. Neither one of us are anything. We're just working for God, doing what God told us to do. But God that giveth the increase. Somebody needs to tell some of these hot shot, big shot preachers that they aren't anything according to God. According to God, they're nothing. Amen? Not according to me or you because we don't matter. But according to God, they're nothing. Some of these independent preachers bragging on how many people they get saved every Sunday. And yet these people don't keep coming. They, they might talk them in and get up there getting them wet. But where are they the next week, the next week, the next week, the next week? And 100 people say, 100 people say, 100 people say, your church is running 75. How's that work? Doesn't work very well. That's something's wrong there. I'm all for people getting saved. Hey, I'm all for filling churches full of saved people. But I can tell you this. I want, it has to be God that does it. We can, we can run people in here and, and, and bring them in. And, and say that they got saved, but unless the, unless the Spirit of God does it, we're just fooling ourselves. Because, again, if they got them saved, most people are in trouble. I hear, I used to, when I was in Bible college, and I'm closing, I know I've run over a few minutes, but I'm almost done. When I was in Bible college, I heard this terminology. How many did you get saved? How many did you get saved? You should get asked that every time we go out soul winning. We come back, how many did you get saved? I didn't get anybody saved. I've never gotten anybody saved. I couldn't even get myself saved. Hey, hey, he had to save me. He had to save you. He had to save them if they got saved. He does the saving. We just do the preaching. We just do the witnessing. We just share the message. We just plant and we just water. We're just ministers. We're just workers in his garden. And he's the one that causes it to bring forth. But it's still our job plant and water. Only the Lord can save. Any farmer knows you bury the spray, and that's all you can do. And the rest of it depends on God. The Holy Spirit got to convict and draw and show the sinner their guilt before God. God is the one who grants repentance unto life. Verse 8, and we're done. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. That means they're the same. And every man shall receive his own reward According to his own labor. Paul's saying here, look here, there's no there's no division between me and Apollos. They no y'all put none there, there's none there. There's unity. That's what he's saying. We're doing the same job. We're the same. He's not no better than I am, I'm no better than he is. We're just servants working together in God's vineyard. We're both working for the same goal. We're working to honor Christ and we're working to give him glory. Verse eight says that every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. It's not about how you look to somebody else. Understand that. You're not trying to impress nobody else with your Christian life. It's not about how you look to them. You're not going to stand before their judgment seat. You'll stand before the one that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll stand before his judgment seat, and we'll look at that next week. But my question is for you. Are you working for the Lord? Are you doing anything for him? Or are you spending your time fighting with others? Arguing over things that don't matter. 
I can't I can't answer this question. But are you a carnal Christian? Only you can answer that. The Bible says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. And maybe 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 you're not totally carnal, but maybe you've taken some steps in that direction. Maybe you're not what you used to be. Or maybe you're not what you know that you ought to be. Maybe you know you're not what God wants you to be. What do I do, preacher? You come to God, say, Lord, I've stepped in the wrong direction. And I know that. And Lord, if you'll if you'll give me the power to, I want to turn around and step back into the light of your love. Because that's where I belong. And where I've been is a dark place. I don't want to be there anymore. I want to be in the light of your love. I want to be right in the middle of your love and your presence. Lord, please forgive me this morning. Grant me repentance. I want to come back home. I want to do what you want me to do. I'm tired of the confusion in my life. I'm tired of the strife. I'm tired of the envy. I'm tired of all the hardship. I'm ready to come back home. If that's you this morning, I urge you, come to this altar. Get on your knees and ask God to forgive you. Ask God to fill you. Ask God to use you, and he will. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 162 here in just a second. 162. Song is, Lord, I'm coming home. And again, you listen to these words. God speaks in your heart today. I'm urging you. Don't stand there and think about it. Just come to God. There's nothing to think about. Just bring it to Him. Lay it down at His feet. And He can fix whatever it is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you now. Please, Lord, please, Holy Spirit of God, do a work in our hearts and our lives. Lord God, show us what's wrong. Show us where we've where we erred against you. Show us, Father, where we've gone astray. Show us, Lord, the things, the ideas, the, the ways about us that conflict with your word. Lord God, please put your finger on the problem. And, Lord, once we see it, Lord, give us the grace to be able to repent and turn it over to you and ask you to cleanse us, forgive us, and deliver us from these things that come into our lives that turn us the wrong way, turn us away from your plan for our lives. Dear God, I just plead you, please work in our lives today. Speak to us and help us now. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. As we say, the Lord moving on your heart. I want to